If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Tonight, a conversation with hip-hop pioneer Fab Five Freddy. Young black and Latin kids with a hat on, to the side, sneakers on, yes. standing in the b-boy pose were always depicted negatively as yes. criminals in the press. Yes. And that's not who we were. So I wanted to change that narrative and get people to look at what we were doing in a better light. Fab Five Freddy coming up right now. He's a hip-hop icon, graffiti writer, artist, filmmaker, and businessman whose new cannabis brand is Be Noble. Fab Five Freddy, welcome to Love and Respect, OG. What up, baby? Man. Good to be here with you, man. This is a big one. I feel yeah. like this is what I've been training my whole <laughs> life to do. Stop it. <laughs> so, so you and my mother were born in the same year. Wow. And you guys were a very interesting generation in that you grew up with a culmination of a lot of different arts and music. So mm. you grew up with blues and gospel and funk and jazz. Mm -hmm. You grew up around this amalgamation of just like dope stuff. And then at some point in your era, about 50 years ago, kids decide and create another art form of music called hip hop. Mm. And hip hop is encompassed in a bigger art as I understand it. It has b-boying, which mm. is what people will call breakdancing. Right. It has graffiti writing or, or graffiti art, or what people would see on trains and Correct. later in galleries, thanks to you. Mm -hmm. Has the the DJ, mm -hmm. you know, who was who was putting the parties on the jam. Yeah. And then at the bottom of the list was the MC, this, the guys <laughs> who would get on the mic. And, but somehow that got inverted, and yeah. rappers took the tip of the spear in the forefront. Sure did. You have been an amazing ambassador to the artistic world in mm. New York and beyond, mm -hmm. in jazz, in visual arts, in writing, mm -hmm. um, meaning graffiti writing out in public, yep. and you help put rap on a different level. Um, what, why, you know, why did you, why didn't you stick with disco? Or no, <laughs> why didn't you? Oh man, I'm so glad you said disco, mm -hmm. because disco was something that, before there was rap, hip hop, that whole movement in the mm -hmm. streets, there were these, what were, there were disco DJs. Yes. And so they were the mobile sound system. This went back into the 60s. I was a little boy. I wasn't on the scene, but I was aware of it. And as we got into the 70s, the disco thing, black and Latin DJs, mobile sound systems, that was the thing. No mixing, no cutting, no scratching, just playing the hottest records and the records never stopping. Yes. Because that was the biggest like amazing thing because prior to that you put that stack of 45s uh -huh. on the record and put that thing over all heads no and them records would drop down yeah. it'd be a minute or so pause and then the next record would play yes. and that's how you you rock so that was a big innovation that disco DJs pioneered that was the inspiration that gave birth to hip-hop. That's what Cool Herc wanted to be because these guys were legendary in the streets of New yeah. York but also this inspired a massive commercialization of disco, the, the like disco remix record. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, eventually a lot of bad music was made under the disco banner. Yeah. And so disco took a bad hit. But a lot of the earliest hip hop groups in New York had disco in their name. You know, the disco three, yeah. the disco four, yeah. disco this, disco that. Yeah. Talk about 
the coming out of disco, rap kind of burned me because what disco did was put a bunch of people who weren't alike in a room together. Yeah. And that's what I saw my mother doing. She was throwing parties where her artist friends were there with her friends from a more criminal nature, were there with her cousins who were square from Tuskegee University. Got and it. it was all these different personalities kind of mixing and teaching and learning. What was that like in New York? Because you were in some rooms that were amazing. Well, right. I've been, been so in the very beginning, I was just a kid, very tuned in, yeah. wanting to hang out and aware that there was this thing called disco going on. And I had older relatives that would bring the flyers home yeah. from different events. And I'd be like, you know, three, four, five dollars, you know, to get in. Man, I really wish I had that. So that was the big inspiration that inspired a lot of urban heads. Yeah because you saw these disco DJs become popular stars. And that inspired, particularly Cool Herc, and other people wanted to do it, to kind of dive in and do something a little different. That's what eventually evolved. Gotcha. I mean, and so when Herc played some weird records that nobody had ever heard before with a dope beat, and the, his rappers wasn't really telling stories. It wasn't really narrative rap, but they were just shouting out people, yeah. who, you know, throw your hands in the air, say ho, and all those basic things happened. That, those few sparks that Hurt created, taking that disco thing and doing a remix on it, inspired a whole bunch of, now keep in mind, Everybody that involved in, in, in hip-hop at that time, we all teenagers. Everybody's a teenager. So yeah. it was like they went home and took those little gems that they got from Herc and experimented and Flash and Grand Wizard Theater on them really perfected these ideas. And then they all had to have a rapper. The rapper's job was really to talk about how dope their DJ was <laughs> and to get the crowd to throw their hands in the yeah. air, wave them like you just don't care. But that thing, the rappers kept going and they took little nursery rhyme type things and they, those became long narrative stories of ghetto life. And, and, and became, so what do you, you smile as you talk about it and it's beautiful because you can tell you get those feelings when you create something or part of creation something, yeah. you get nostalgic. What have you been most proud about regarding hip hop and, and that's now about to be 50 years old? Well, hip hop is, Kind of like many conversations, um, bragging, boasting, mm -hmm. but essentially, which we do when, yeah. when we talk, man, as we, I, should, as I, we should. I did this, I went <laughs> here, man. And, and, no, you didn't, but you know. <laughs> you know. And so hip hop is many different conversations. I was happy in the very beginning, it pretty much was very hip and cool nursery rhymes. Yeah. And, um, but then I felt like, man, if somebody would come and do something really serious, really relevant, I felt that that was coming. I just had an instinct of yeah. it. And that record was The Message, Melly Mel, yeah. um, and Grandmaster Flash yeah. and the Fury. I mean, they build like the but it's essentially Melly Mel on that record. Don't push me because I'm, I'm close, close to, to the, the edge. edge. You know. I'm trying not to lose my. Okay, uh, it's like uh, a jungle uh, sometimes, uh, it makes me wonder. wonder. So that record painted such a vivid picture. Don't push me, call, I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. It's like a jungle sometimes, it makes me wonder how I keep from going under. It's like a jungle sometimes, it makes me wonder how I keep from going under. 
and it gave you, everybody had chills, because if you was on the streets, yeah. that's what it looked like. Broken glass everywhere. everywhere. I mean, yeah. it was broken glass yeah. in, in all the hoods. People drinking cheap wine, and I mean, so that record captured it, and that was a spark that elevated the entire form, that we can do the fun party thing, feel good, throw your hands in the air, everybody say ho, but then it became a thing where you can tell a more serious story. Besides tell the story, and it, it, the story be captivating. Oh, yeah. Like it be absolutely, like there are, there are storytellers, um, and I pride myself on being able to tell a cool narrative in a few records, but when you start talking about Melly Mel, when you start talking about Schooly D, KRS-One, Scarface, Biggie, mm -hmm. you're, you're talking about Slick Rick, people who can literally pull you into a world, you suspend disbelief, and for three minutes you're in the middle of, of, of a world. Mm -hmm. The MC currently, a lot of times it's not seen as an artist, but you have had the foresight every step of the way in the 70s, 80s, 90s, into the 2000s to present hip hop as a culture, yeah. as, a, as art, but you saw rappers as artists even before some of them saw themselves as artists. What gave you that foresight and, and what do you think of the art? Well, you know, a lot of that has to do with my, I'm blessed, the, the, the household I grew up in, my parents my, and, and their friends. My dad was kind of immersed in the jazz scene, not gotcha. as a musician. He was just like, he grew up close to Max Roach, yes. who became my godfather. Max who, Roach is your godfather. Yeah, rest in peace. Google that. Both Max Roach and my dad share the same birthday, January 10th. And so in the house, really cool, really hip, but also very intellectual, yeah. and I picked up snippets of what they talked about a lot, yeah. which was how they wanted to control their music, they wanted to own their own labels, they wanted to do all those things that we can do a lot more of now. Yeah. And they were just as intelligent as we are, or people that we in, engage with, but they were frustrated because those times, you know, yes. we're talking, they were coming up late 40s, 1950s, yeah. I'm a little boy in the 60s just hearing 60s, 70s, getting snippets of this, and I was like, so then I would go to these park jams and these parties and see this thing going on in the roar, and I began to realize, well, this is not going on anywhere else in the world. Therefore, it's important. Yeah. And I think if you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada -ba -ba -ba. At participating McDonald's. Other people should look at it and acknowledge it. Then I began to realize that which led to the idea of the hip-hop's first movie, Wild Style, yes. which I was integral in, is a way to create and control that narrative. Because it, people, young black and Latin kids with a hat on to the side, sneakers on, yes. standing in the b-boy pose, were always depicted negatively as yes. criminals in the press. Yes. And that's not who we were. So I wanted to change that narrative and get people to look at what we were doing in a better light. With jazz, though, there really was, like you said, the energy if we want to do it ourselves. But there was a there was a point of style. You mm -hmm. had to have your own style. No question. A discipline of making sure that you were respected yes. on a certain level in terms of discipline. And is that jazz's legacy in hip hop? Because it did give that. To if you look at artists like Tribe, if you look at the Jungle Brothers, if you look at Outkast who were influenced by Tribe, there really was a jazz player's like focus yeah. on perfecting your own style and discipline. That's great that you say that. And I even think now certain artists 
have a jazz-like vibe to me. Even Nas, who's, you know, he his mm -hmm. yeah. father, Olu Dara, is yeah. a sax player. Yes, yes. He, you, if you saw the documentary, his father put the right books in front of him yes. about our real history. Yes. Yes. Plus, Nas, you know, had those rhythms and that flavor and that street life, and he synthesized it all Absolutely. into these amazing songs and lyrics that he does. I mean, once again, a, a big influence on me was what these jazz guys and my dad's friends were able to do and other things that they were not able to do. And I was able to, like, you know, figure out a way to move and find an audience that was receptive. So that yeah. was the critical thing I did. And the receptive audience that I sought out and then really made serious connections with was the new wave punk rock audience yes. in the downtown art scene. Yes. So making graffiti, which I, which I did as a kid, but then I wanted to figure out, when I looked at what pop art was, I was like, wait a minute, we're inspired by cartoons and comic yes. books, the same way Roy Lichtenstein and Andy Warhol are. Yes. Wow. Like, and we followed that. It's almost like we organically followed that. So I felt like if I can get in front of an audience and have these conversations, somebody would listen. And that was these people on the punk rock and new wave scene. And that led me to connect with Blondie. Yes. And infuse, and. It hit them to what was going on, and then they, they made a song called Rapture. Yep. Shouted me out. And that became the first rap record to go yeah. number one. Um, I don't call it hip-hop, but it definitely was a nice dose of, of Debbie Harry rapping. And she put it together in her own way, which was uh, really funny. But it, once again, it opened doors. And that's when I connected with my, my running partner back then, Jean-Michel Basquiat. Yes. Because he's on that scene trying to figure out how to get in as well. And we both the same age, coming out of different parts of Brooklyn. Yes. And he saw what I saw, like these people are receptive and open. What was amazing about his style, because now we're talking visual art for people who don't know. When you, um, you know, of course, music with Blondie and Deborah Eric. Yeah. But when you're talking about Warhol, when you're talking about Basquiat, you don't know of them, you knew them. What was knowing Basquiat like? Because he used not only um, traditional, what you would think was painting methods, right? Mm -hmm. He really went folk and street. Mm -hmm. Like his art could be comparable to any folk art with a splash of street art right on top of it. And it was unafraid and it was unapologetic and it was more punk rock than punk rock. Mm -hmm. It was hip hop before we even knew what, what hip hop art was gonna be. And still to this day, my 14 year old daughter, you know, she likes the, the purses that Coach uses with his art. Wow. She likes, so <laughs> he, his work is as timeless as Van Gogh yeah. or anyone else. What, what, what was he like? What was you guys' friendship like? Just, just, <laughs> I care. Cool, <laughs> homies, buddies. In the very beginning, like, we, we were sneaking on the train. We'd sh get meals and share the food because we, we both had, we both had, had no money. And we was be poor. We was, we was poor. <laughs> we was trying to figure it out. We was trying to get into the clubs for free because yes. we didn't have any money. Yep. Once we got in, get some drink tickets from the promoters and stuff. A lot of times we show up at places, they look at these two young black kids. Uh, who I, but then people that knew was like, wait a minute, do you know like who that is? And we were still coming up. So we were just good buddies, having fun, laughing a lot, chasing girls, just all the stuff that young dudes do. 
Um, but we were focused on trying to be artists, and that downtown scene in New York was a fertile ground, open-minded people that gave us a shot. This place is, I often tell people, the Harlem Renaissance, if it wasn't a finite amount of time, if it was ongoing, if it was in perpetuity. Do you see Atlanta in that way? Oh, without question, come on. You know, the great migration yes. from the South to the North to New York, Chicago, et cetera, et cetera, which was the most massive migration, the incredible book, The Warmth of Other Suns, details that. And um, there's been a reverse now, yeah. where so many of those black folks that are just tired of those prices and want to get back and have a little more room to breathe yeah. and come back to Atlanta and other southern states, which has been a pretty amazing thing. And so, you know, I first came down here covering Outkast back when I yeah. was hosting UMTV Raps. Uh -huh. I went into the dungeon to interview um, Outkast and the other guys hanging around who were on the show. Yeah. That was Goody Mob. I yeah. I'm like, wait, that's so-and-so in this one. That was. <laughs> so I felt that energy, saw that vibe. But there is something unique and special about Atlanta. There really is. F without question, which is why it is a mecca in, in, in the South. I saw you be on scenes, mm. right? This tall, skinny kid, glasses, always had the fedora. <laughs> it was very jazz musician-like yeah. meets, <laughs> meets you know, the streets. Because it yeah. was, you know, running them was like that. But you were always next to whoever the coolest person was, but they were looking at you as though, I'm with Freddie. So when I see you on the scene with Warhol, when I see you with Basquiat, when I see you with Deborah and Blondie, mm -hmm. you let me know that I belonged everywhere I wanted to be. That's right, that's right. right? Not everywhere I was accepted, mm -hmm. everywhere I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. that, that you let me know that it was cool to be an artist, it was cool to be smart, it was cool to be able to interview people about them and yes. not have it all be you. You have been one of the most selfless persons and I've seen on any scene, but you are always first to the party, or one of the first, mm. and then before the party dies out and gets lame, you on to the next party. <laughs> you know, it's actually interesting, your observation. I don't really, it's not so matter of fact that um, it's a scene as such. You sometimes, some of the movements and things I've been involved in, I didn't, you don't realize what was going on until people write about things 10 or so years later. They'd be like, oh my goodness, yeah, you're right. Like, a lot was going on, and people was making incredible music, stuff that happened in different phases of New York in the 80s, and as, they, and then you realize, yeah, that was a, a very fertile period when people from disco culture met hip-hop culture and punk rock and then hip-hop heads, I kind of opened that door, could come down and all intermix. When you see it end, for, I didn't, you know, it just end because you got New York, a very commercial city, rents go up, other yeah. people want to be in that same space yeah. where, they, where all this cool stuff went on. And then those original people that made it happen, they can't afford to actually be there anymore, yeah. so they all go and scatter. Yeah. So things change and move around for that reason. But uh, so much of what I've been able to do literally goes back again to being around like my dad's friends who were super intellectual, super smart, and super cool. And they were also yeah. cannabis aficionados. Uh -huh. And so they, were, they had their eye and ear on everything moving on the planet. Gotcha. Not just in the hood, not just in the country. So I picked up on a lot of that, and that's how I've moved as well. Let me say thank you. Uh, we, yeah. are, we are a generation that had it not been for hip hop, 
could have been lost to the evils of drug usage, mm -hmm. could have been lost to the evils of just simply a president under Reagan in particular that did not care mm. about inner city and inner city culture mm -hmm. or arts programs or the mental health of our community. And we needed a Gordon Parks. Mm. And here came a kid named Freddie wow. who understood that the putting together of music and dance and joy and visual art mm. and movies and hosting and being gracious and giving others opportunity. Mm. We have a renaissance man in you. Thank you I so value much. you immensely. Our culture values you. And I look forward to, before you get out of here on us, watching truly more documentaries um, produced by you and produced on you and more Thank because you. our generation needed a Gordon Parks. Oh, we needed man. someone who would present us in an artistic and beautiful way. And you have done that every step of the way in every particular genre. Thank so you I want to so give much. you more than your flowers, but your acknowledgments and blessings. Thank, Thank you. you. That was Those are not flowers. That was a whole florist. <laughs> I appreciate you, Fred. I love you, Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yes, sir. And thank you all for tuning in. <laughs>